No my hi Mike and a hotaka welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Today, embattled Labour MP Stuart Nash will leave politics at a Tove's election. Nash said it had been, quote, an absolute privilege and a pleasure representing the people of Napier electorate in Parliament these last nine years. What does the Stuart Nash saga tell us? Do we need official Information Act reform? We discussed that just after four. 52,000 people in the country are employed by living wage employers. Are you one of them? You get a rise to $26 an hour from September. What does 26 bucks an hour mean to you? One NZ or Vodafone has reached a deal with Elon Musk's SpaceX satellite to provide 100% mobile coverage. And we celebrate tiny towns in Aotearoa today. And we go to a small town, the home of New Zealand's first fizzy drink. Where is that? And a lot of redundancies recently, be it media, retail, construction. Have you ever had a plan B? Have you gone on to do your plan B? What was it? Did it work? Now, I personally have never had a plan B, but I thought of a great one last night, and I'd like to reveal my plan B at 25 past four this afternoon and see what our panellists think about it. With us today, uh, Verity Johnson, columnist and co-owner of uh, New Zealand's only burlesque club Club Burlesque, Verity, kia ora. Kia ora, thank you for having me. Also, Phil O'Reilly here is a, a globe-trotting global business leader just back from France. He's the MD for Iron Duke Partners. Kia ora, Phil. How are you going? Great to be in Auckland. Uh, pl- uh, great to have you here. Are you looking forward to hearing my plan B? Yeah, I am. Cause and, I, and plan C, because I'll probably I, steal it. Because <laughs> I want your advice. <laughs> uh, to this first, no, we, we have the latest uh, on Stuart Nash uh, for you after four, but... How much are you willing to pay to see your favourite artists or band live in concert? The cost of gig and event tickets have rocketed in the past year with tickets for sought-after artists like Harry Styles. But even a ticket to a local band can sit you back $40 or $50. So why has it become expensive all of a sudden? With us is President of the New Zealand Promoters Association, Brent Eccles. Brent, welcome. Oh, great. Nice to be here. Nice to have you on. This is something that I have noticed, even just talking to friends and colleagues. Have you noticed this as well, that tickets are just going up quite a lot? Well, yes, I have. And we've had to face quite a lot of increases in the in the industry, mainly for the labour force, to be honest. Um, seems to be getting up there, and, uh, and that, that sort of translates to production, to PA, to lights, to trucking. Trucking particularly has gone up. Um, general, general travel on the road, airfares have gone up. So that's all reflected in the tickets. And believe me, we want to try and keep them as low as possible, but it needs to be a, a commercial situation that works. And they're, they're keep going, Brent. Well, I was going to say, the, the box office doesn't lie. If you get it wrong, you know about it pretty quick. I can imagine, and that would play someone like you uh, as a promoter in a very delicate balance and situation because you need the complexity of and the logistics of touring is quite considerable, uh, but you need to price them so people will come along to see the show as well. If you're talking about local artists, I mean, you know, local artists want to do more than, than Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch. They want to tour the whole country. So they're faced with some quite heavy overheads, you know, Accommodation has just gone from 150 a night to 350 a night. You know, it's, mm. um, airfares. We all know they've gone through the roof. So um, we, we try and work that out and try and work the balance out. Sometimes, you know, you just got to, you know, 
try and get a gauge on what it is. And go, I think this is the number that's going to work. We'll try that and put it on sale and hope like hell it works. Um, but most of the time they get it right. But yes, prices have gone up. And if you look at the international side of things, we've got to deal with a, you know, a New Zealand dollar that's not as strong against the US currency. And all those things compound into more cost and higher ticket prices. I don't know, Verity, if you have noticed this yourself. You've uh, looked mm-hmm. online to look at the gig and go, oh, OK, that's a bit steep. Yeah, I was, yeah. I, I, we went to Kevin Hart the other night. Um, I wasn't going to pay anything over 150 and I only went in the last four days because they released the $80 tickets, which is the only reason <laughs> oh, I actually went along. Really? Yeah, but um, I'd be really curious, Brent, what's the average markup in a ticket price for, in terms of, like, what's the profit margin that the promoter takes home as opposed to, like, what the artist is? actually costing in a ticket? Uh, that, that would be from 10 to 20%. Oh, uh, that's, so that's 20% of each for. ticket. Well, if, but if you get the cost right, you have to get the cost right and get above and break even to be able to even think about even making a profit. So you've got to pay the artist, pay all the costs, and then maybe think about making a profit on top, hmm. which, which can be 10, 20%. Phil? Yeah, I, <clears throat> certainly you've seen some of those prices skyrocket, but... You know, as one who moves around the world quite a bit, I mean, they're, they're globally they're skyrocketing. You know, for the for the big acts, you're seeing just enormous sums of money paid. And the thing that worries me, it, it, I mean, I, I completely understand the the business that that you're in uh, and and sympathise with your problem. The the stuff that impacts or the stuff that worries me more is the hidden costs you sometimes see on these websites. You know, there's a ticket fee or there's a there's a mail out fee or there's an insurance fee or you know the surge pricing that was mentioned in the original article that we read on this. All of that, I think, is more worrisome than um, than some of the you know. So if, you can, if you can buy a ticket, if you can afford it, that's great. But if you you know turns out at least hidden costs creep up on you, that sort of worries me a little bit in terms of accessibility and fairness to those who who might not be able to afford it. I think there are those costs everywhere, and I, I, I strongly agree with you. I think you'll find that in, in, in venues, I think you'll find it in transport, all kinds of different things associated with shows that you're paying extra on top. And, and I personally do not like it. I also don't like the, the, the auction process. I think that's unfair. Oh, OK. Um, uh, uh, and, and also, you know, just ticket prices are going through the roof. But the thing is that people are paying them. And, you know, these big shows that are coming to town, the high-ticket prices that are charged, people are actually paying them, and that has an effect on the next show they go to. Right. And the local act they go to, you know. So this, but I, I do feel there's going to be a, a balance, a rebalancing probably the next couple of months. I think you'll find that things will change a little bit. Consumer NZ says there's effectively a duopoly with Ticketmaster and Ticketek. Do we need more ticketing companies in the country, Brent? Uh, I don't see a problem with having more, except that I think you'll find, my opinion, and what I see is a lot of those companies are not holding your money in trust. So when you buy, at least when you go to Ticketing or Ticketmaster, your money is held in trust. If you go to ABC Ticketing, who you've never heard of before, that where's that money gone? You don't know. If the show doesn't happen, will you get the money back? All these kinds of issues. At least with Ticketmaster and Ticketek, that money is held in trust, and you will get it back if the show's cancelled. Very, very interesting. So we watch this space, and needless to say, we're in for another uh, year or two of high prices. Brent, they're not going to go down anytime soon, are they? Well, I, I can tell you, we just put a, a national tour on for um, New Zealand country artist Katie Bell at oh, thirty nine yes. ninety. What's happened? 
selling out everywhere. People are loving it. So if you can if you can swallow hard and actually cut mm. cut a few corners and make the tours work, it seems to be the price is really important. Interesting. So mm. it's about getting the price right. Thirty nine. Yeah. I pay for that. Very good, Brent. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Uh, that's okay. uh, your president of the New Zealand Promoters Association. Uh, what's your plan B? Give us an example of where you might have been uh, made redundant, and uh, you had. Uh, a second option, and you kick-started into gear and you're away, or it failed. Text me, 2101. Love to hear your story on that this afternoon. All right, let's get into I've Been Thinking. Monday afternoon, we have Verity Johnson with us. Verity, take it away. What's your IBT I'm still mad about this. I'm really glad I came in on Monday and this happened to me on Saturday because I'm still angry. Rant away. You're on. Um, So I made a concerted effort over the past few weeks to use more of the buses again. I got out of the habit over COVID because of germs, etc. Suddenly want to start doing it again. So on Saturday, uh, in the centre of town, right from the middle of the city, so where everybody is, where everyone goes shopping. I had three buses in a row cancel on me. So it took me, on average, I was waiting there for 28 minutes because I timed it. And at 28 minutes, I was like, I'm just going to walk home. I don't care how long it takes. 45 minutes later, several rainstorms later, walked home. But today when RNZ study came out about how, I think it's one in nine Auckland bus trips end up getting cancelled, I just wanted to say that I have a lot of sympathy for every Aucklander who's been told that we're really rubbish at using public transport because we're not. We do want to. We do try. We are making an effort. The problem is that the buses do not turn up. So it's a little like, Aucklanders, mm. I hear you. You are not unenvironmentally conscious. It's just such a struggle. So here you are. You are one of the people who have really made an effort. You've actually gone yeah. out of your way. And guess what? They don't turn up on time. And I wasn't in the middle of nowhere. I was right in Britomart. I was in Britomart, like at the most populous part of the entire transport network. Still cancelled so mad. Not just an Auckland problem. Actually, I've got no. a staffer, you know, who will either arrive at eight o'clock or nine o'clock, depending on the bus. You know, yeah. it's just and you just can't plan your day around that, can you? Now she's trying to do the right thing, uh, trying to take public transport, and it just doesn't work. And, and we're talking not not balmy subtropical Auckland now. <laughs> we're talking subantarctic Wellington in winter. You know, so it's it, it, it's Verity's point is absolutely right. You know, if you're not don't have confidence. Okay, can we just put something out here? I know I've read the I've read the story. Um, as someone who's taken uh, public transport for twenty years. Mm. Okay, so very familiar with that. Every day, all day, don't do anything else. Uh, <laughs> Just on the buses You know, I really am. Um, I've always had to build in a modicum of patience, okay? Mm-hmm. You've got to be patient. Uh, Auckland's never been that great for buses. It was not even, it was not that great in 2010. It was not that good in 2007. I understand the issue right now, but um, are you patient? I have a sort of 10-minute bracket. Like, so I will do 10 minutes, and then, so, like, what happened, the first bus was due in eight minutes. It got cancelled with five minutes to go. I had to wait another 15 for the second one. I can do that. But when that one got cancelled, that was when I was like, I can't do it. I feel like you should have a 15-minute window from when it's supposed to be there, and then after that 15-minute window, then you're allowed to get Good mad. thoughts. Good thoughts. Great <laughs> stuff, Verity. Got All right, Phil O'Reilly, I've been thinking. Well, I was just in Paris uh, a couple of weeks ago, not for holidays, regrettably, but for work. I was working at the OECD. Uh, and one of the things about Paris right now, or back then, anyway, two or three years ago, was lots of piles of rubbish mm. on the streets uh, and getting pretty rank, actually. And 
that's, of course, to do with the protests about uh, uh, Macron, the president, trying to raise the superannuation age all the way from 62 to 64. Wow. Very different social contract in, in France. And since then, of course, they've been having some rights, which is just a demonstration of just how not to do long-lived social policy, right? Have a few rights and a bit of rubbish in the streets and some train strikes. That's a good idea. Mind you, the, the French are you know, great at striking. They love a bit of striking. And it occurred to me uh, that we need to do the same sort of thinking in New Zealand without the rubbish and the strikes. <laughs> we need to have a, a proper conversation about how to how to move superannuation forward because we've got one of the most generous schemes in the world. It, it's not means tested. Uh, it kicks in at sixty five, uh, and it's going to become. It is already becoming and will become increasingly expensive. And that's at the that's at the cost of neonatal care. It's at the cost of hospitals and so on. In other words, it really is that like that because it's a huge cost to our economy if you take it out over the next 10 to 20 years. Uh, and I say this as, as an old person who's, who won't, who's not far away from being free on the buses myself, but th- there is a need, I think, to have a serious conversation. And I'd, I'd actually take it off the politicians. I'd give it to a Royal Commission or some sort of advisory. That's interesting. Group, I was going to ask you conversation because with mm, Macron has been trying to do this since he got in. Exactly. This is This is... Not new. No, exactly. Um, so it would be it would have to be beyond politics in a way. I agree, and it needs to be there needs to be some sort of way of the public being able to say something, and then a very very long lead time. You know, you can't say to people in two years' time what you banked on won't be there. You can't do that. You need to have big long lead times. That's just why you need to work out through political cycles. I thought it was a tragedy when John Key said it wasn't going to change during his time, and then I think Jacinda said rather the same thing. Just not helpful. We need to move it away from them because they're not going to do it. Because Great thoughts, both of you. Really great IBTs. Thank you. Uh, someone says, Maggie says, I was made redundant two years before retirement from a job involving sitting in front of a computer all the time. My plan B was to spend the money on a belated six-month OE doing voluntary work and then come back and work in a shop dealing with people. Not as much money, but a lot more fun. Monday afternoon, the panel. Stay with us.